conversations. It's developing a sustainable prayer life. Um, Philip kind of read my notes a little bit, and he has not even seen them. Um, so he kind of talked a little bit about um, prayer and, and what that looks like. And so I want us to pray real quick that we have some clarity tonight, that there's unity tonight. And um, in this message, I believe God has given it to me. And I think it's going to be helpful not only for you guys, but for me, myself. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't know what this is about, but, um, you know, I never want to get too comfortable with any topic um, when it comes to anything in a relationship with God. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to be here this evening. I thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to be here in your presence, Lord. And I pray that you would touch our minds, touch our spirits tonight, that we would be open to you, God, and open to what you would like to speak tonight, Lord. Give me clarity, give my words anointing, Lord, and I pray that I deliver your anointed word, Lord, as you would ask me to tonight. I praise you and thank you, God, for you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. I told uh, Philip earlier, I've, I've Obviously, I've been in youth class, and I've taught before. Um, it's a little bit different. I um, have preached a couple of times recently, so I'm going to hope that I'm not going to get too preachy. I don't, I, I'm normally pretty energetic, so my first reaction is to go higher than it is to go lower <laughs> with my energy. So I'll try to maintain it a little bit tonight, and hopefully that my point gets across. So, so I want to talk to you guys about conversations uh, and, and a dis developing a sustainable prayer life. I think sometimes prayer can seem so daunting, and this isn't something I don't think everybody here is elementary. Um, I, we've all been going to church for a long time, but it doesn't mean that you can't get a refresher or a reminder or kind of a rejuvenation on something that we've known about or that we, we practice, kind of get a refreshing view or a, a new mindset on something. So um, I want to kind of, not that I'm changing anything th pastor has taught us, I, that's not what I aim to do here tonight, but to rejuvenate and to refresh and to give um, a little bit uh, re-instruction, maybe redirection on what prayer is and, and make it seem less daunting. And prayer can seem so big and it seems so, just such a big thing. Everyone talks about prayer and what prayer is and that we have to pray and that it's such a big thing of what we do and, and sometimes we can kind of, regardless if we know it or not, it can be so daunting in our minds and in what it looks like to us. So I want to talk to you guys about five reasons uh, to start off um, why we don't pray enough. Pastors talked about it before, and I don't want to rehash what he's talked about, but a couple other reasons is one, I, I believe he's right in the fact that we're too humble or too proud to pray and not humble enough. I don't think it is a time thing. Um, if you look at your screen time, that will humble you if you need to be humbled at all. Looking at your screen time and being like, man, I was on Facebook for six hours this week. Six hours is a long time to be on social media. Now, I know, obviously, I, I do some work on Facebook, so you have to factor that in. Um, but you can kind of get humbled sometimes on how much time you spend on your phone and, and uh, how much time you could be using that on other things. Um, so I don't want to rehash that. We all definitely know that, and Pastor's done a great job of explaining that. Um, I want to give five other reasons of why this might be a factor. Is number one, we don't know how to pray. Luke 11.1 1 says, And it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, 
that when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, even as John also taught his disciples. This is such an interesting thing because we think of the disciples and we're like, man, they're just, they're the disciples. Like, they're, they're the founders. And I talk about it almost every single time, but if you haven't watched The Chosen, it really changes your perspective on Jesus. It changes your perspective on all the stories we've heard about, Nicodemus, um, even the disciples. You really start to look at it in a whole new view. Um, I always try to, Nat and I always try to make it a point to save the chosen for when we're uh, in prayer and fasting because it really can speak to you in a different way. And Nat and I <laughs> have found ourselves looking on the couch. We'll look over at each other and both of us just have tears running down our face. And we're like, why are you crying? Because it's Jesus. And we just start crying and talking about what we, you know, we're watching. And um, I highly recommend you do that if you don't. I mean, it's prayer and fasting, so you're not going to be watching much of anything else. Um but it is really powerful and impactful to watch that. But what I was going to say in all of this is we think of the disciples, and the disciples seem so massive. They seem so big, and really they are. They do have a lot of faith, and they do have a lot of instruction from Jesus, but we have to remember where they started from, and we have to remember that they're not Brother Stone King now. They are us when we first started. They are Brother Stone King when he first started his ministry. We have to really encapsulate that and remember that there is a growth here, that they're not just Paul, like the, the, the apostle. Like We have to really grasp that and understand that we are much like the disciples that we see in the Bible. If anything, we're extremely common to the disciples that are in the Bible. In Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. I'm going to touch base on this later, but um, really I just want to lay this out so that we kind of have an understanding. And in no way, shape, or form is this me taking shots at anybody. Please understand this. This is just something that if you need a refresher, it's for you. But if you don't need it, please keep this in your pocket. This might be for someone in this room right now. Um, but just please know that this is not me saying <laughs> this is at anybody. This is not me saying, Andrew, this is for you. Okay, this, <laughs> this, this, this doesn't mean anything like that. Okay, please understand that. Uh, I want to make sure that that's clear. We cannot focus on prayer. This is number two. We cannot focus during prayer. In Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I find a lot of times that it's easier for me to focus in prayer when I'm the one doing the talking, but when I'm the one doing the listening is when I always have, I'm just going to be transparent, that that's when I always have the biggest problems, is because uh, oftentimes, like if you're having a conversation with somebody, um, if I'm talking to somebody, I know exactly what I want to say next. I'm telling you a story because I have a point to make after that. Or you told me a story and, oh, I got this great story that I can tell you that I found funny or I found interesting. And, you know, we can kind of have that idea of what's going on. But then there's sometimes, you know, where we can listen to someone and sometimes we can start thinking about, like, all right, I have to cut this conversation off because I have to leave or I, I need to go do this or I have to do this after church or you know, I'm on the phone with somebody, but I just got a text message. And we can, let's be honest, that sometimes that can happen. And that same thing can happen when we're in prayer of, 
well, I got things to do. I know I got a set time, but I, I've got to go to work after this. I got to get ready for work after this. I, we got church later today and we can start to really stack things on top of each other that can take away our focus. Number three, we doubt God will hear our prayer. In Hebrews 4, 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Psalms 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. This, we sing the song Waymaker, and I think it's a really great song. Please understand that that song has helped um, you know, me in times of struggle, in times of trial, in times of really going through it. And, and, and I don't want to say that that's not important, but what can happen is we can sing the song, but then when we're in the situation, then that's when it's tough for us to believe it. Of Okay, well, I prayed every single Sunday for two months that God fixes the situation, but it's not fixed yet. Is he hearing me? Is he there? Is he, is he moving? Is he, even though I can't see it, is he doing something? And I think that sometimes is we pray so many times, and I'm guilty of it too. I'm not guilty of it now. I'm trying to grasp this, but we can be in that circumstance where we sit here and say, I prayed about this in my finances, and I haven't seen it change yet. I prayed about this in my family circumstance, and I haven't seen it change yet. I prayed about this in my, my job situation. I haven't seen this change yet. I prayed about this in the church, and I haven't seen this change yet. And I think we have to understand that, yes, the song says it, and it makes it so simple and plain, is even when we can't see it, he's working. But we do have to realize, too, that there, uh, and I've, talked about this before I talk about it all the time because it's such a big story in the Bible that we kind of gloss over is the invalid at the pool of Bethsaida 39 years that's a long time to be seeking for your miracle be seeking for what it is that you feel like God might have promised you or you feel like you're working hard enough that God should give you we're not deserving of any of it but sometimes we can have a mentality of God hasn't done it yet so is he ever going to do it and we can lose sight of the patience of well, God hasn't done it in two weeks, so he might, it might, I don't know, is he going to do it in two years? So sometimes we have to understand that sometimes we think this is what causes us not to pray, is that we feel like God can't hear us. We doubt that our prayer will work. Number four, in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? I'm just going to do that first part. Is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Hebrews eleven six. and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We've seen the examples, and even in this church, I know I was a, a little kid, but we've seen people be raised from the dead. If I'm being honest, I don't know what is a bigger um, miracle than something like that happening. Our, our minds are so wrapped up in time and in space, and that's where we're at. I don't want to get too philosophical with this, but God doesn't work within that. God is not <laughs> concerned about life. Not, God is not concerned about time. God is only concerned about what gives him the credit and the glory and what will make him, his light shine into the most people. Um, I, had a, I have a boss that his, his, his motto, um, he's been saying it ever since around Christmas time, and he says it jokingly sometimes, but sometimes he, he says it and he means it. As he says, there's only one who gets the glory, 
And I truly believe that. Uh, my boss is a, a pastor in um, northern Ohio, but we have to truly believe that. Okay, sometimes when we look at timing wise, it might not work within our timing. It might not work within what we're trying to see happen of, okay, yeah, but I've got a deadline on this and I've got a deadline here, but there's only one who gets the glory and he's trying to make sure that that is what works out in his timing to make sure that he gets the credit and the glory. We shouldn't be looking for the credit and the glory to go to us. And lastly, um, the number five, but also kind of my, my point of emphasis here is we think prayer is complicated. And this is what I was touching on earlier is sometimes prayer can seem so massive. Sometimes it can seem like, okay, we talk about time. Oh, you, you should spend some time in prayer. You should have a set time. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to pray if you're just starting off in prayer um, it can seem a little bit daunting to pray for three hours a day if you've never prayed at all. <laughs> so please understand, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily at three hours myself either. Um, but, you know, if I'm at 30 minutes, um, please don't um, kind of like going cold turkey the opposite way. <laughs> if you're only praying for 30 minutes now and you decide I'm going to go pray for three hours nonstop, you're probably going to have a little bit of a problem with that. And it's going to seem complicated and rightfully so. Um, but I want to kind of touch on this and, and, and talk about this a little bit to make prayer seem less, not that it's not important, but make it seem less daunting, make it seem less complicated, make it seem um, less unattainable, make it, seem, well, make it seem more attainable. So we have to understand that when we pray, God will, will respond. He will do it every time and always. Again, maybe not within our timing, but God will always respond. And this is actually a, a um, scripture that we have on. I don't ask. Thank you, Nevaeh. Um, I asked Nevaeh if she could put this up because I didn't intend on doing this. I just found this in my studies. But um, we actually have this as our motto for prayer before services. Second Chronicles 714. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, which is what pastors talked about. We have to humble ourselves and understand that it's not our busyness that takes us away from praying. It's our pride. It's our, it's our un inability to say, I need to do this. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will hear, the, hear their land. So it sounds like a pretty big contract of saying, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, then I will do this. But really, you have to understand that if you're praying to God and you've humbled yourself, and you are seeking his face authentically and, and, and genuinely, um, you know, sincerely, and you turn from what it is that you are doing that is incorrect, that is sinful, you know, that is wrong in the sight of God, then he will, he will hear you from heaven and he will forgive your sin and heal your land. Um, it can seem so daunting of all of that. And I understand that there's different addictions and different battles that we deal with, but if we truly seek after God and we truly look after what it is that God wants us to do and wants us to walk after and be in a relationship with him, he's going to do all of this. I know there's circumstances in this room that there's addictions, that there is certain circumstances that seem hopeless, as certain things that seem like are going to take you down with anger and addiction and struggle and uh, persevering that you had. But God will do something in your circumstance as long as you do these things. And that is the complication that we have to put, take the complication out and put this in 
and realize that this is what God wants for us and wants to see is a relationship with him and not that we do it for the things that he'll do and we know that too but we don't do it for the the blessings that he'll give us and we know that blessings will come and we're thankful for them i know i'm, I'm very blessed i have a lovely family um, i'm starting a lovely family um, i have a great job you know i i'm um, all of the things that i have are reliable and i'm so very thankful for it but we have to understand that that's not why we pray is because of the things and sometimes we can be so blessed that we take out the prayer and that's actually sometimes that what can lose us um, but we have to understand that when we do these things we are going to have a relationship with God and he will still bless us in some of these um, aspects keep in mind and pray as much as possible you have to keep in mind the the uncomplicatedness of prayer First Thessalonians 5:17 is very simple is pray without ceasing or, or praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing doesn't mean that you are just travailing all the time. You don't you don't have to be at the church to pray. <laughs> you can be anywhere and pray. It, you, I, the 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 taking the complication out of this is making this it's my title is talking about conversations. I have conversations with people everywhere and I'll give you an example of this. Um, I have a sales job, and I, I get to work from home. I'm blessed for it. And I, Nat, Nat can tell you, I do my work everywhere. <laughs> I could be at the house. I've been at uh, my parents' house, um, the, the Pelham's house, my in-laws' house. I've been in grocery store parking lots and done my job. I've been, we've been in the car on the way to vacations, and I can do my job. I, I'm very blessed to be able to do that very remotely. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is because I have, conversations everywhere and I'll give you an example today um, I had uh, multiple people call me today it's starting to pick up you know it's seasonal and which is amazing because of the weather that we had today I'm not going to touch on it I know everyone's got something to say <laughs> but uh, you know with our weather today I'm very surprised that we actually have a lot of people calling me today asking me questions um, but um, in that I had a lot of people call me, and so, you know, I, I woke up early this morning, just like some people, if you're in Circleville, we live in Circleville, um, I got rudely awakened at about 4.30 this morning, um, and so I woke up this morning, um, I started talking, I was messaging some people that were messaging me late at night, uh, started calling people, so I messaged someone in my office, I talked to somebody in my living room today, different people. Um, I talked to somebody in Walmart today, which was really hard to do because I'm trying to make sure that there's no background noise. Uh, I talked to somebody in the car today on the way to Walmart. Um, I'm trying to think if there's someone else. It's not super important. But in that, what I'm letting you know is I can do my job anywhere. And throughout the entirety of the day today, I did my job just about everywhere that I went. And so we have to start to think of prayer less of an altar, not understand that prayer will be at an altar but we have to start thinking of prayer of less of a place and more of an action less of a of a of a building yes you can pray in your house and please have your your secret place where you pray at really good book too secret place by uh, brother cisco bishop cisco um but we also have to think of prayer as a conversation i don't just go into um, our living room and only talk to nat in our living room <laughs> that would be a very weird <laughs> uh, 
a very weird relationship if I was like, hey, babe, how are you doing? <laughs> I step into the, to the living room, and that's how I talk to her. And then I'm like, okay, I love you. <laughs> I don't talk to her whenever I'm out. We, I, we don't yell at each other, but I have to raise my voice sometimes and talk to her in the back. Babe, did you remember to grab this? Yes, I did. And that's sometimes how our conversation is. I, Nat can tell you too, I'm a person that um, I don't like to be alone very much. Um, so I like to, if I'm driving by myself, I call people all the time. Um, so Nat will tell you, there's been a couple of times where I'll drive home from something and I don't have anything to even tell her, but I'll just be like, hey babe, just got done doing this and you know, this is how it went. and. Yeah, I just want to let you know. What are you doing? <laughs> and I just kind of talk to her. And she, she probably gets annoyed by it. But that's just who I am. But that's a conversation. And again, think of it less of a place. Think of it less of a, a responsibility to be somewhere. And think of it more as an opportunity. I get to talk to Nat. You know, we've been, you know, I, we always talk about how sometimes technology has ruined us. But we also have to realize that technology is such a wonderful tool. And I can attest to this because that's how I make my living. I, technology is such a beautiful thing. And we have to be able to take advantage of that and take advantage of the fact that, yes, Nat probably gets annoyed with me in my conversations that I have with her when I'm on my way home and have absolutely nothing to talk about. But we also have to understand that this is a conversation an ongoing conversation. I could be talking to Nat about something that has happened earlier in the day that we can continue this conversation until the end of the evening. That's praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing is not saying, okay, well, there's a time of the day where I'm going to block off not praying. And we, I understand that there's a responsibility, so please understand my analogy. But we have to understand that there's a constant thought process. If you've got something on your mind of a, a bass boat that you want to buy or something that you want to buy, you're continually thinking about it, regardless if you know it or not, but you're thinking about that thing that you want to buy. You're thinking about that thing that you want to do, the vacation you want to go on. You're thinking about it without ceasing. And prayer needs to be the exact same thing of we're continuously having a conversation with God. If I, there's conversations that um, you know, we have with people all the time where we pick up of, hey, there's a new update on my job. And then you continue that, that conversation. If you just go back to the person, you say, okay, well, let me start everything from point A one more time. You're not, you're, you're not having a conversation without ceasing. We have to understand that ceasing is not saying that we pray every single waking moment throughout the day, but we're constantly in a mindset of knowing God's going to speak to us and we should speak back to him and have a conversation with God. Take the, the complication out of it. Make it a conversation. Make it something that's attainable to you. Make it something that's easy. You don't have to have the thou shouts. And, the <laughs> and if you're, I'm just letting you know, if you're at your job and you start saying hallelujah at the top of your lungs, like sometimes we do when we're here, people are going to freak out. And rightfully so, and they should. Because if you're in the middle of your workplace and you just yell that for absolutely no reason, hallelujah, and they're like, what in the world just happened there? You might, you know, you might have a feeling like that and something might happen, but we have to understand that this is a conversation. Sometimes you have to understand that there's an intimacy with prayer too and not just a shouting and a yelling. There's a listening. There's a conversation. There's a whisper. 
there's that we have to understand that that's what prayer really is and there is a time to still pray loudly and pray with vocals and and that we have to understand that prayer is a conversation prayer is the gravitational axis of our relationship with god it is the centerpiece of our christian walk it is the crux of our intimacy with the creator i hope i'm not beating a dead horse but i'm going to try to it is the foundational fabric of the bride's marriage to the lamb and too many good people church going people church service attending people do not have a realistic powerful sustainable prayer life that doesn't mean that we all have to if you have been in church for 80 80 maybe that's a bad number 50 years you're prayer time and your relationship should be better than somebody who's been in a relationship with God for two years. That doesn't mean that we base that off of that, but you should have a better relationship. A relationship is constantly growing. If my relationship with Nat grew, we've been married for almost three years. If my relationship with Nat stopped now and then I picked it up again five years later because I backslid out of a relationship, I understand that that's definitely a sensitive topic, and please understand that, but God makes up for lost time. God makes up for that, and you can continue to have a relationship with God that goes beyond how much time you spent with him. That doesn't mean that, okay, you've been in a relationship with God for five years, so that means, okay, so if we do two minutes a day for 365, and then you start doing the math, we have to get past that, but we have to understand that there's a maturity in relationship that goes beyond that and says, you've been in a relationship with God. Your relationship should ever change. It should still grow. It should still mature. It should still continually be, uh, you should walk with God. We don't stand with God and let him pull us. We have to walk with God and continue to walk in a relationship with him. Sometimes, like I said, it can seem so complicated, but it's so simple. Prayer is connecting to God through conversation. Um, I saw something. Do any of you know who the Shocks are, Terry and Melanie Shock? If you don't know who they are, um, you should probably know who they are because they have a wonderful ministry. They are amazing people, and they um, will bust your chops, but <laughs> in a good way. Um, and so we just went to a, a youth workers training day in Zanesville, and they were there and got about six hours worth of their teaching. And, man, I'm telling you, one thing that they talked to us about and the, the emphasis of, um, of the training was to become, not to just be. And um, that's powerful to realize that pastor said, you know, and he said this before of, you know, some people will just simply repeat things that are in the Bible and not act on it. Like uh, baptism, you know, we, we repeat in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But we realize that the name is not repeating the scripture. The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is Jesus. And so we have to realize that to become is not to just say what's in the Bible. It's to be what's in the Bible and let it become us and to transform and to, to make sure that we are becoming what we're reading and becoming what we're practicing, you know, practice what you preach. And so they were talking about that, and um, Brother Shock actually posted on Instagram today. Um, I wasn't <laughs> wasn't studying. I was on Instagram, um, and 
found this and it was perfect. Um, and I didn't base my message off of this. I found this after I was done, just so you know. Um, but uh, you can check it out. He just posted it earlier today. So he had a couple of slides, and I don't have them for the sound team, but I'll read them to you. Um, it says, but I don't, it's someone saying this, but I don't know how to pray, but I don't know what to pray. I just need to get some things right first. Pastor said, you know, we come to church thinking we have to be right before we come to church, but when you go to the hospital, you don't fix your broken arm before you go to the hospital. You go to the hospital, get your broken arm fixed. Um, I just need to get some things right first. And this was powerful. It's not my own words. It's Brother Shocks. It says, prayer isn't performance. It's communication. And I was like, whoa, that's big. <laughs> because sometimes I feel like in my own life, I can feel like, man, I got I to gotta be as loud as I can. And there's a time and a place to be as loud as you can and, and, and to lift your voice and to cry out unto God and intercede. But there's also more to a relationship than just that. Um, if I just try to impress Nat all the time, um, she's going to be confused and probably aggravated. There's going to be a lot of things that come along with it. But if you have a relationship and then you try to impress, things can be a little bit differently in that relationship. But this is the last slide that he put on there, which explains so much. It's not about impressing him. It's about trusting him and proving it by talking freely. The goal is open, easy, heartfelt communication. And I was like, <laughs> that's exactly it. Because we get into the presence of God and feel like, you know, I, there's people out there that probably do, and I, I know they are, that have eloquent speech and they... God, hear my cries that I lament out to you. I'm not like that. And I'm not like pastor either where I'm west side. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I'm a little bit more, I wouldn't say casual, but I'm a little bit more relaxed with God. And that you should have a relationship with God where you can talk about things that you're worried about. He knows them, but he's waiting for you to say, God, you know, I've been feeling a little bit stressed about this. I've been feeling depressed. I know it's a scary word to hear in church, but it's a real thing. I've been feeling anxious about this decision I have to make. I've been worried about my finances. And sometimes we think that we're Christians, so we got to have it all together. Listen, God does not expect us to have everything all together at every single point in time throughout our entirety of our lives. God expects us to go through something and to 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 thrive in certain things. And then he expects us there's a lesson to learn in this. So you're going to struggle with this a little bit. doesn't mean you're going to be destroyed, but it means you're going to struggle with this a little bit. And then when you come out of this, it's going to hurt, but you're going to gain something from this. And God is expecting us in a relationship with him throughout our lives to not just be coasting. Um, there's a, I don't know if it's a song that uh, we listen to every once in a while. And um, it's not a bad song. It's a Christian song. Um, I can't remember who sings it. Nat would probably know, but there's a lady who's prophesying over uh, the beginning of the song, and she goes, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of struggling. I'm professing seven years of blessings. And every time I hear it, I say, not that that's a problem. I think we should be able to profess blessings over our lives. But I'm like, she's only praying for blessing over her life for the next seven years. Seven years is a long time. I'm 24, so I've been through three sets of seven and then some. <laughs> um, I, 
And I'm not saying that I've went through a lot, but I've went through not blessings before. <laughs> and so I, I, I find it very unrealistic. I said the word realistic earlier. I find it very unrealistic to expect God to only bless us for such a long period of time. And not that we don't have blessings. Um, you know, pastors told us before in our family that last year he felt like it was a year of blessing for us. We've had a lot of struggles in, in the uh, in the Pelham family and uh, surrounding family, and it's been hard for the past couple of years. But that doesn't mean that this year, okay, it's blessings 2.0 year and only blessings 2.0 this year. You know, we we have to understand that there's going to be struggles and things that we go with. I'm not trying to make light of that. Please understand that. But um, we have to be realistic with the fact that with a walk with God, um, you know, if you're walking on on a on a on a hike, if you're on a trail. Um, there's going to be parts that are easier to walk on, and there's going to be parts that you're going to trip up, and a, and a rock might slip from out underneath your feet, or your shoes might come untied. We have to realize that, in our, we have to have that analogy of realizing that it's not going to be the smoothest walk um, the entirety of the time that we're in a relationship with God. Um, so I hope that makes sense. But again, it's so complicated sounding. But we have to realize that it's a conversation, it's connection to God, and we have to put it in that mindset for us to make it realistic. That doesn't mean that you're gonna. It's gonna be easy, Pastor. I think Pastor just talked about it on Sunday. The devil's gonna deal with you on that till your life is up. He's going to deal with you on that and gonna make that a struggle for you. So don't, realize, don't think that every single morning you're going to wake up at 6 o'clock and just be ready to go into prayer every single morning, every single day of your life. God is going to make it difficult. In Psalms 5, 1 through 3, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay re my request before you and wait in expectation. Again, a little bit of a different version. Um, I want to touch on this a little bit because this scripture, if you could put it back up, um, this scripture has a lot to unfold in it. Um, again, think of this as a relationship. Take this analogy into a relationship, and let's look at it this way. Um, this is hinting, the scripture is hinting that in a relationship that is so close and so deep, Again, think of it like marriage. I know not everyone's here is married, but think of it like marriage. Um, that is so close that you can understand what a sigh is in that person's voice. <sighs> you can hear three different things in all of those. There's, I'm so relaxed. I'm so tired. I'm a little bit frustrated. There's a lot on my plate today. Oh, I'm so mad right now. <laughs> I don't have enough time. Uh, just There's so many different things that you can gain. You Really, if we're being honest, you don't really have to know somebody well, super, super well to know even sometimes what a sigh is. If someone gives you enough uh, context clues around it um, to really know what's going on. But really, in a relationship, if I were to make a sound, and maybe not everybody would know what that sound is, you know, Nat would be able to pick up on that and be able to tell me what it is and be able to know, okay, what are you frustrated about? I didn't say I was frustrated, but I did <laughs> because of my sigh, because of my emotions. 
This is an intimate relationship in this example. This is an intimate relationship. You have to really close in on someone and be tight with someone to know that every sigh, grunt, facial expression, eye roll, neck roll, and eyebrow raise, what they mean. I bet you if everyone, if you were to do this, <laughs> you'd probably be like, huh? And that's exactly what I, what is that? I don't know what that means. I roll, it means, okay, I don't believe what you said or whatever. <laughs> that's what that means. I don't do that a whole lot, but <laughs> maybe I do sometimes. I don't, e maybe I don't even know about it. But in an intimate relationship, you know what that means. Nat, I'll, I'll kind of, it's not dirty laundry, but it's something that I do that Nat has told me about. Um, if I get frustrated when I'm in the car, um, she has told me that something that I do when I get mad is I sniff. And I didn't even realize it. She told me that a couple years ago. And I can't, we were having a, a discussion about something. And, um, and I can't remember what it was. It was a few years ago. We were driving home, and it was a, like, 30-minute bus drive. So it's not one of those ones like Walmart to home type things. One of those ones that you're, like, you're thinking, do I say anything to quickly get home and see if it just dies out? You know, it was one of those rides where you have enough time. And um, so Nat said something to me. I got frustrated with it. I didn't say anything for probably 15 minutes. So she looked at me and said, what are you mad about? And I was like, well, I'm not mad. What do you mean? Said, you're sniffing. That means you're mad. And I was like, oh, so now I try not to sniff as much when we're in the car. And it only happens in the car, I think. I don't really do it anywhere else, but it must just be like, I don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> just mad. And I'm sorry if I have, if I need to blow my nose or something, but it's just, I just thought of it. That apparently, that's what I do whenever I get mad. And it's because we, we've dated for years and we've been married for three years. She knows just about everything there is to know about me. Even apparently my sniffs and what my emotions are whenever I sniff. <laughs> But you have to understand that when you're in a close, tight-knit relationship, you have conversations and you have connection with somebody. Even the sniffs and the eyebrow raises and the eye rolls that you have and the facial expressions and even the tone in which you do something can be understood. And pastors talked about it before, and I want to get to this place so badly in a relationship with God is that we know his heartbeat. We've seen the, the bracelets of what would Jesus do, and, you know, obviously we're kind of like in a, in a um, we kind of think of it like, oh, would Jesus go here? No, the bar, of course we wouldn't. Would Jesus say this? No, he wouldn't do that. But I also really think about not only so much that, but if I think about, okay, I have to think about this like my wife, what would my wife do? I think we have to think about it kind of like that, of knowing God's heartbeat so much that we know what Jesus would do. Not so much of, would he go here? Would he say this? Would he do that? But kind of like, okay, okay, so my, if I have a kid and I send it to mom, what is mom going to say? And try to make sure that you're in line with your spouse. I think that's more so what I'm trying to get to relationship of what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? I want to be like God. I want to have a mind like Christ, but I also want to know his heartbeat, know what he cares about, know what he wants, know what is what the walk with God is supposed to be like. I want to get to that, that point so bad. I want I crave that so much. This is a marriage. Again, back on this um, scripture, 
When you're married, you're an expert of your spouse's tones and expressions. The Bible refers to us as the bride of Christ. We're in a marriage with God, in a sense. Our relationship with Jesus Christ should shadow one of a married couple, in the sense of we are married to him. We are his bride. When he comes back, that is what we're resembling. That is what we're symbolizing. But could you only imagine marrying someone who never talked to you? Someone who only spoke to you once a week, briefly on Sunday mornings, or really briefly on Wednesday nights. This is the part that <laughs> kind of wrecked me. Of, uh, I talk to Nat every single day. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't talk to Nat. You know, I work from home, and, and she works from home too. And, you know, that's we're home together all the time. We always talk. You know, so there's other people in my family that I might not get to talk to every day. It doesn't mean I don't have a good relationship with them, but that means in my relationship with Nat, we talk all the time. We're together all the time. But sometimes, it's like Pastor says, sometimes we walk outside of the house and we make sure that our teeth are brushed. We make sure that our shoes are tied right. We make sure that we got matching socks on. You know, we make sure that we do all this, but sometimes we don't leave the house without praying. And sometimes we let our prayers cease at church on Sunday. We let our prayers cease after we leave church tonight. And I want to get to the point, and I want to be at that point where that no longer happens, where it's a continual prayer all the time throughout the week of we wake up and say, hey God, here's a situation that just happened. Let's talk about it. And you talk to God about how you're feeling about that. And you talk to him about your, your expression. Did you do everything right? Did you do what Jesus would do? And have those conversations with God. Could you imagine marrying someone who talked to you only when they felt empowered by a large group, only at a public gathering, and only at the request of a public speaker? How could anyone call that a relationship, let alone a marriage? Yet so many of us unintentionally do the same thing with God. We talk to God once or twice a week at a church service when our pastor leads us to an altar and again we have to take the concept of it just being an altar experience out of this it is a relationship it has to be a relationship if we expect to be under god's covering if we expect to have a relationship with god if we expect to do anything in the kingdom of god it has to be a relationship it has to be without ceasing it has to be continual it has to be something that we do every single moment that we are thinking and constantly in a mindset of God. And I know it's hard when it's busy. I, I'm busy too. We've got a lot of things going on. But that means that we have to say, i got a lot of things going on, but this can wait. Yeah, I've got a lot of things going on, and yes, there's times for meetings, and please know I don't expect everyone to pray during meetings. <laughs> That's a, that would be a little bit ineffective. You know, We have to have a godly worth work ethic too. Um, but when that meeting's over, we have to be in a mindset of God and realize, okay, I get to pray. I get to have a conversation with God. I get to be with God every waking moment, even if I'm not in the four corners of this, of this or the four walls of this world. So this is a challenge to me and a challenge to you that if you only converse with God in those situations two times, three times a week, then you don't really have a good relationship with God. And please understand me. This is not me being pastor. This is not me being um, condemning. But please understand that in the course of a relationship where we've 
touched on, it's not a relationship. It's an acquaintance. You know God, but we don't know him. I know it's the same words, but I use different terms and kind of <laughs> a little call back to what I did earlier. We, we, we know who he is. We know what God is. We know the things that he did in the Bible. We know the things that he performed, the miracles that were happening. We know or try to know the things of the disciples. We try to think of all the places that he's been to. Man, we know all that. But do we know what he wants for our lives? Do we know where he's currently calling us to be? Do we know where he's want, does he do we know if God wants us to take a certain exit instead of going all the way that we normally do? These are things that again, I'm not perfect on, so please know I'm not condemning. This is also at me too. But it's not a relationship with God if we expect God to just be there with us and be our bride or be our husband in our sense of a marriage. If we expect God to be that and only talk to him two, three times a week, we've got it all wrong. We've got it way wrong. And I encourage you, though, with this, is if you want to move past the facade of a plastic or a stagnant acquaintance, all we have to do is start with the relationship or conversation with God who's already ready to start talking. God's not expecting us to have a bachelor's degree in theology to say, you're able to praise for me now. Continue. That's not what he's looking for. God's wanting us to pray so we can get the bachelor's degree in a relationship with him. God's wanting us to pray so we can have a master's degree in a relationship with God. Not that we parade it about that we have it, but that we go about it knowing, okay, I'm, I'm young right now in my relationship with God. I'm, I'm a toddler in my relationship with God. I'm a teenager in my relationship with God. But I have room to grow and be able to go past that and be able to say, this is my relationship now, but I've got, God's got more in store for me in a relationship with him. Remember, I'm going to say this a couple more times. You have to be connected with God through conversation, connecting and conversation. Again, not that praying at all is not important, but we have to realize that prayer can happen so many more places than even just that. How do you have a connected conversation with somebody? Well, number one, you have to be transparent. Again, I know there's certain things that we're not going to tell everybody. If you tell everybody your deepest, darkest secrets, um, you might, might be a little bit too transparent. You might want to dial it back just a little bit. Um, but we have to be transparent with God more than anybody else. You have to talk to God uh, from your heart and be honest. You know, I've, I've never been in a therapy session, um, but I went, I went to go um, shadow somebody in, in speech therapy. You know, speech therapy was something that was a big deal to me. Um, you know, I really wanted to do it, and I'm a little bit in a different field now. Um, but speech therapy um, is kind of like therapy in the sense of that you have to be honest. If you can't do something, you need to tell somebody you can't do something. If you have pain somewhere, you have to tell somebody that you have pain somewhere. In a, rel in a relationship and with therapy, you have to be able to be honest honest about what you're experiencing when someone asks you your pain level when you go to the hospital at one to ten if it feels like a ten maybe you're exaggerating but <laughs> but you have to be honest about how you're feeling about it because if you're feeling a one but you say it's a six 
because you want certain treatment, you're not being honest. And you have to be honest with them so that you can have the proper treatment in the proper time. If you're feeling like a 10, but you're trying to be a man, you should have been a three. Grow up, <laughs> first off, and be honest about how you feel about your pain. And go through your therapy that way. Again, I've never been in an actual therapy session, but I've been in a little bit with shadowing with some professionals with speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy. It's the same thing. You have to be honest. If you can't move your leg and they're asking you to move your leg and all you can do is this, you're not, they're not going to expect you to do this with your leg. You have to be honest about that and be able to be okay with being transparent. Be okay with saying, I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. I don't feel comfortable doing this. And have the honest, transparent conversation with God. There is a time for praise, and we should always have praise on our lips, but there's also a place in every authentic relationship for questions. Exodus 5, 22 and 23. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon his people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Moses, the Pharaoh, let my people go. <laughs> he has that fame. We know, we know what he's about. You know, he's got his couple of like really big feats that he has, and that's number one in our, on our minds normally. Moses is a man who led the Israelites out of bondage and had transparent moments in private intimate time with God again not that you walk out and you're like God I'm dealing with addiction to this in front of everybody <laughs> please don't do that there's a time and a place for you to be able to be transparent with God and to be honest to be vulnerable and to be real with God we can't always have big vocal prayers all the time we have to have a conversation if i yelled at nat all the time and i was like i love you <laughs> maybe i do some that sometimes every once in a while again i'm very like i said my energy is normally on the high side of everything but um there's also times where i need to say i love you you need to say that to other people too of hey i love you not just yell across the room and say love you you know we all <laughs> we all know that there's a difference between i love you we all know that. So there's a time for you to say, love ya, when someone's leaving. And then there's a moment where you're having a real, honest conversation. You say, I love you. I know that you've got flaws. I know that you're going through something. And I love you, despite those flaws. Not, love ya. We have to understand that there's a relationship with God. There's a time and a place for the love ya. There's a time and a place for I love you. I love you. And realize that in the midst of this relationship, we can't always praise God all the time. Sometimes there's going to be intercession. Sometimes there's going to be crying. Sometimes there's going to be laughter. Sometimes there's going to be victory. Sometimes there's going to be, I wouldn't say defeat, but failure. Sometimes there's going to be a time where we fall. But God is always going to be in a relationship with us. And he's going to be there even in the midst. When we don't see it, he's still working. God doesn't want your facade. God doesn't want you to be fake with him. I know my wife, and if she was fake with me, and there's been a couple of times in our relationship where we both do it. 
Really, is that how you feel right now? Really, is that how you actually feel? And we confront people. People. I almost said people. <laughs> I don't do that to everybody. But we confront each other in our relationship and say, did you mean to say that? Did you mean to say it that way? Do you mean to say this? Did you mean to do this? And we have those conversations to help our relationship strengthen and grow. God doesn't want us to be fake. He wants us to be comfortable. He wants us to be real. He wants us to have an authentic relationship with him. And sometimes we lose that of trying to be the best that we can for God. And do your best. Be Have a spirit of, of excellence with God. Have the spirit of excellence with God. But also realize that you know, he is our closest friend, and he's also your savior. He needs you to be honest. He needs you to be real. He needs you to be authentic in a relationship with him. Otherwise, we're not in a real, authentic, genuine relationship with God. Let your guard down. Be honest and be real. There is a time and a purpose for corporate prayer meetings. We're together. There is an opportunity for us to be here, and we should take advantage of that. But intimate connections with God happen uh, sorry, intimate connections with God happen most when it's just you and him. In your conversations with God, don't worry about being eloquent. Nobody's listening. It's just you and him. Be real. Be real. Be real. Be authentic. Be transparent. Be honest. Matthew 6, 5 through 7. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and on the street corners for them to be seen by men. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And again, please don't think I'm calling anybody out. This has nothing to do with any of that. I don't think there's somebody that I'm like, that's where I got my idea from. <laughs> this has nothing to do with that. Please know that. that I, I, um, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I got too many other things going on in my life to be like, I have to speak directly. Oh, I'm going to pick on Andrew again. I'm sorry, Andrew. I'm going to speak directly to Andrew tonight. Like, that's not, <laughs> I love you. I love you, bro. So, <laughs> I don't have the time for that. I don't have the energy for that. If I, I would just be sitting here looking at Andrew every time I made a good point and be like, did you get that? Did you get that? Write that down. I'm just going to give him my notes tonight. And I'm going to be like, you, dude, that's for you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I love you, bro. I don't have enough time to do that for you. I'll help you. I'll be with you, but I ain't going to preach a whole message for you, okay? Just like that and be like, Andrew, you got things to work on. <laughs> I don't have time for that. But please understand this. We have to be honest and real with ourselves and say, I'm not being transparent with God. I'm not being transparent and, and honest to God when I'm talking about things. He knows. You know, in the uh, Garden of Eden, he knew where they were at. You know, <laughs> he was kind of like, where are you? Like, he knows all your good hiding spots. You know when you used to play hide-and-go-seek and you thought, you thought, I love my mom and dad, but I knew there was a couple times where they were like, there, he's right there, and walked past me. I, come on, like, we have to know, like, I'm sitting there like, this is so good. Dad knew. Like, dad probably was like, all right, he's going to be right here. We know that God knows. God's, God's like our, our dad <laughs> when, we're, when we're playing hide-and-go-seek and he's like, where are you? And he knows. He knows where we're at. We have to be real with ourselves and be honest and be transparent with ourselves. In a relationship, if we are transparent, we will see the best relationship with God. 
we're going to be able to see the benefits of a relationship with God, not just the blessings, not just the, the healings, but a benefit of a relationship, protection, deliverance, provision. We're going to see all of these things. Security. You're going to see all of these things that you see in a real heavenly relationship. I know that there's people that that are family that are not family, where if I call them and ask them, hey, I am stuck on the side of the road. I cannot, I, I don't have anything on me. Can you help me? It, hopefully it's at the right time of night, but if I call them and they answer, they'll come help me. That's the relationship that we have to have with God. If you have a fake relationship with somebody and then you call them and say, hey, I need your help, the likelihood of them coming to help you is a lot slimmer than someone you have a real real authentic genuine relationship with um how to have a connected conversation number two is be vulnerable and again these are kind of interchangeable words but um bear with me here we talk with god openly about things that you care about not just be being transparent but we have to be able to tell god certain things that we're in a real relationship with if i hid things from that that i was excited about or things that were you know that i care about our relationship would have a flaw in it converse openly regarding things that you're concerned about thoughts that you're consumed with and causes that you're passionate about present your request to him without hesitation or worry because he cares god is not just a in one ear out the other ear kind of god that's not how it can feel that way sometimes because of his timing but we have to realize that God does truly care about us. It's not God only cares about what we deal with, but God truly does care about the things that we go through and the things that we deal with. Um, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. If it matters to you, it matters to him. It may not matter to anybody else, but it matters to God. And do not ever doubt that. God knows your thoughts, and he's touched by your feelings. In a relationship, um, if Nat told me something, and, and again, I, I keep using Nat. Um, she's the only person I'm married to, so I have to uh, give that analogy in marriage. Um, but if Nat told me something that she cared about and was crying, and was, Kristen, I've been dealing with this, and telling me everything, and then I just said, all right, cool. <laughs> and then walked out of the living room, like I said, you know, you walk out the room and you're done with the conversation. If I did that, um, her reaction or her emotion would probably be from sadness, probably pretty closely to anger right after that. Why aren't you listening to me? She doesn't yell like that, but that's just my best way of explaining it, facial expression. Why aren't you listening to me? I'm trying to pour my heart out to you and you're not listening to me. That's not God. God doesn't just say, okay, cool. God does it say, though, I know you're dealing with this, but trust me. I know that you're dealing with this, but don't be anxious about it. I got something in store for you. Don't be worried about this because there's going to be a, a brighter side once you come out. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. It might not be. It might not hurt. It might not be painful, but it might be a reminder. I've got you. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to lead you to the other side. You're going to be stronger because of this. You know, I think oftentimes it's the, like I said, the seven years of blessing, and that's all we you know, we want to pray seven years of blessing, and please pray a blessing over your life. I don't think we're supposed to just only struggle in this life. <laughs> if you were to only struggle and that's all you ever had happen to you, um, 
I, I don't think God, I, I'm, this isn't um, Bible, but I don't think God would get credit and glory from you only struggling in your life. There are going to be victories that point to God and give him credit. So please know you can pray blessings over your life. That is something that you should do. Um, but I think at the same time, though, um, we have to realize that in a relationship, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be pitfalls. There's going to be things that we deal with. Um, and so, like I said, he cares about our feelings. He cares about what we, what, we, what we think of. It's not his only concern, but he cares about that. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all of your cares on, on him because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. Be consistent. Number three, talk with God frequently. Now, I want to give a little bit of an example here. In early 2006, which uh, Matt, I was talking to Matt about this, and I thought 2006 was like kind of recent. 2006 is like almost 20 years ago. Feels like earlier. Uh, but in early 2006, a group of young people met and started talking about a new form of social media that would keep people more connected. Shortly after their meeting, they launched a website in March of 2006 called Twitter. You've probably heard of it. And since its launch, Twitter has become the fastest growing social uh, website in the planet. Maybe it's changed, but at the time it was. Um, in the recent article, Why Twitter, that's what it's named, um, Collide Magazine stated that, um, among other things, Twitter is so successful for the following reasons. Mobility. There's no computer needed. You can tweet from your phone. Frequency. Short, frequent microblog updates um, as opposed to lengthy blog posts once a day, once a week, or like most bloggers, once a month or less. If Twitter can revolutionize social media by rethinking what it means to be connected, what would this generation do if we examine what it truly meant to be connected to God? I think that's what I'm trying to change about my own prayer life, and I'm hoping I get this across the right way. Please understand, again, this is not a condemning message. I don't want everyone to walk out of here. And <laughs> I want this to be something that gives clarity and hopefully makes sense and, and that you can use this and adapt your prayer life with God. Um, we shouldn't blog to God and just say, all right, here's my month, and just give him everything. We should say what's going on in our day. If we sinned and we made a mistake, we should ask for repentance every single day. If we had a downfall and something that we knew we made a mistake on, we should talk to God about it and repent on it every single day, multiple times a day, throughout your day. <laughs> I think the Bible even says that, um, you know, seven, 70 times 7, 490. I'm like, start thinking, I'm like, can I, can I do that? Maybe I can. I don't know. <laughs> can I sin that many times in a day? I sure hope not. But we should realize that we do make mistakes and we do have downfalls. And that doesn't mean that we are just necessarily taken out of a relationship with God and that he'll never forgive us and that we have too much to overcome to come back to him. But if we're in a constant relationship with God, our mindset on our mistakes is a little bit different, knowing that it's not, okay, well, I have to bring everything to God on Sunday. You can bring everything to God right now. You can bring everything to God when you, when you go on your break, when you got a free moment during work, when you get into your car. It doesn't have to be the altar. It can be the altar, and you should use the altar for things like that. But it doesn't have to always just be the altar where we get a deliverance and a healing from God. 
that's not where it happens. There's plenty, plenty, plenty of people that have had deliverances and life-changing experiences outside of a building that we call church. Plenty. And I don't have time to jump into all of them. I'm going to try to end here quickly. Um, but we have to realize that and understand that in our minds and realize that, that God is bigger than just a building. God is bigger than just where we uh, meet multiple times a week. What if instead of trying to pray an hour straight at the end of the day, we spent time throughout the day updating our prayer life frequently? There will always be a time and a place and a purpose for locking or yourself in a prayer closet for lengthy periods of time. But can you imagine marrying someone who only talked to you once a day for a predetermined period of time? Pastors talked about it before where you're like, right now, we've got our hour of discussion ready and then you set your timer. How pitiful of a relationship would that be? And we do that with God sometimes. And again, this is me being honest and being transparent, but we have to look at ourselves and truly examine ourselves and say, look, there's going to be steps in a relationship. So if you're working on that, great. And I hope everybody is. And I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not saying it's only for you that are struggling. But please understand, this is an action. This is a uh, kind of a poke in the right direction that we continue to reach and we continue to go and not be comfortable where we're at in a relationship with God. Um, we should approach prayer, um, or sorry, when we approach prayer a once a day or a once a week or a once a month type way, it breeds frustration. Every person in here has had an awesome service and at some point uh, made commitments to pray an hour a day. Again, there's a time and a place and a purpose for that. But what if instead of just a um, once a day rigid time frame, we took five minutes here, three minutes there, ten minutes here, and developed a consistent, connected conversation with God? Thessalonians 5, um, 16 through 18. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And for this, um, sorry, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And the KJV says, pray without ceasing. We have to listen to God, too. In a relationship, we have to realize that we are not just a one way, like I kind of am tonight. In a relationship, we have to realize that this is a conversation. A conversation is more than just one person giving a spiel or a monologue. Um, uh, if you could stand, we're, we're almost done here. I want us to pray after we're done, but I want to just give one more thing and then we'll close this. I had a conversation with a customer um, once, and I'm not going to say his name, um, and he got frustrated with me once and really mad. And it was uh, partially, yes, it was my fault, but for the most part, it was his fault. And I'm not just casting blame because I've got the mic. I promise you. <laughs> it's in policy. It's in, it's in our contract what happened. Um, but he was talking to me, and, um, and that was about it. it was he was talking to me. I didn't really get to get much of a conversation back to him. And I told him on the phone. And um, I don't think it went over well because he got mad at me again. But I, I said it, and it changed a lot about the way that I view prayer. He said, are you going to say anything back? And I said, no. I said, I'm waiting so I can talk so we can have a conversation. And I, I said that. And he goes, we are having a conversation. And I said... Maybe I was being a little bit snarky, but I was a little bit mad. I said, 
Last time I checked, the conversation is two people talking. I said, I don't feel like we're doing that right now. And later on, our emotions died down, and we had a really good conversation later that night. Um, but it really, I'm telling you, I'm, tell, I'm sharing this with you because it shook me. How many times do we come into the presence of God? And again, the time and a place. We, we did that tonight when Philip was leading prayers. We talked. Um, and we talked. And we talked. And that's fine. But there is also a place where we don't. Because <laughs> I sat there and I was like, God, how many times do I do that? How many times do I do that? Where I tell, I tell, I talk, I complain, I say, I do, I ask, I request, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. And then I say, all right, I'm out. And then I don't even listen to what God has to say. He has to write me a letter and, <laughs> and then I have to read it that way. How many times does that happen in a relationship with God? And it convicted me because how many, how, how many conversations do I wait and listen for God to tell me what he thinks? The God, the creator of the universe that probably has, just in my mind, he's probably got the right answer for something. How many times do we wait? And how many times do we not and say, all right, my allotted time is up. It's, it's been 15 minutes. I'm out. And how many times do we just clock out for the rest of the day and say, I, I'm done. I got it. I'll, I'll meet with you tomorrow. Maybe you'll tell me tomorrow. Maybe he's going to show you the answer in an experience. Or maybe he'll tell you about something that you've been asking about in a conversation with somebody. Uh, num number five, and this is my last, um, my last point, is, is listening. Be, be a listener. Be listening. Talk with God and then be quiet and let him talk to you. This is my segue into this is, is that example. Every connected conversation is two sides. In your prayer life, are you being quiet and still long enough to let God get a word in edgewise? Uh, John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We all have. <laughs> We all have those friends who just want to talk about themselves and never stop talking long enough to hear it from you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It happens. Sometimes we can be that friend. Sometimes, you know, and obviously this is an example, so, you know, maybe you're the friend. Um, and sometimes people want to talk to you too. Um, but sometimes you might be talking to the friend, and you have to realize a conversation is the exact same way with God. How many times do we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and never give God the opportunity to just butt in and say something that he might have to say? Um, you know, maybe just the, the person who created us might have something to say about something that we're going through. Incorporate, be intentional, be purposeful about giving a time of quiet and stillness into your prayer life and talk to God. Then let him talk to you. You may not hear a booming announcement from heaven, but you'll hear him. And I think there's a prayer clock, I think we, we did once in youth, that the prayer clock gives a lot of time for a lot of different things, Thanksgiving, Bible reading, praying, but there's a time of sitting, and there's a time of listening and waiting. It's important that we do that. And after this fire came, from a, came a gentle whisper when Elijah heard it, and he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave, 1 Kings 19, 12, and 13. So... I want us to pray. I know there's a lot going on. Um, it's more of a teaching atmosphere. But I want us to pray just for a few moments that we take 
approached prayer differently. That we don't just take an approach to prayer as just a monologue or just something that we do two, three times a week or something that we do just when it's convenient. But we take prayer as an approach of a daily conversation, of a daily interaction, of a daily experience. So I want us to pray and um, really get this within ourselves, the same way that I have a conversation with you throughout the day. I, I feel that I